0: Money MoneyFM 89.3 Good afternoon It's the Evening Runway Ali Dank and Timothy Go with you Time for Culture Club Where our next guest Is I would say A representation Of how you pivot in life mm. He started off uh, His journey As an uh, ASEAN scholar At Raffles Junior College Became a surgeon To an investment banker And now he is a C-suite at large healthcare group boss with startup Mia Health. (laughs) How about that for career progression? (laughs) Well,
1: you know, his motivation to start his own company was because of his own experience of losing a loved one, which made him realize the apparent gaps in our healthcare system.
0: Yep, and fascinating story. It, it is. I I know that story personally because uh, he's a friend of mine, and we'll let him share that with us. Uh, he's in the studio with us, Dr. Ramesh Rajetharan, the CEO and co-founder of Mia Health. Dr. Ramesh, welcome.
2: Thanks. Yeah, good to uh, finally be here.
0: Yes, <laughs> yes. There's a couple of years in the making, but I suppose you could start us off by telling us about Mia Health, a company that you founded back in 2019.
2: Sure. Essentially, what we see as the biggest problem or what I see as biggest problem in healthcare for the rest of my career in healthcare will be efficiency. You know, okay. we, we don't have enough people to manage patients the world is short of about 15 million healthcare workers mm-hmm. depending on who you believe wow. you know you have health insurance that doesn't cover very many people because they don't make much money doing it so they need to reduce costs as well so okay. the biggest driver is efficiency and at MIA essentially that's what we do we build tools to make uh, healthcare more efficient so for an insurer it means we build your systems that enable you to do with one human what 10 humans would do oh. and hopefully that frees them up in terms of resources to broaden healthcare coverage to more people. We also build tools that enable healthcare workers to scale. So, for example, in Poland, we build a navigator so you can talk to it on your phone. It will tell you where to go to get healthcare. It will tell you what to do next. It will follow you up. All this is done by machine. So we enable one nurse practitioner to cover more people because the machines Mm -hmm. are doing things. So in a nutshell, essentially what we do is we build tools that enable machines to do what machines do best, which is processing. And we free up the humans to do what humans should be doing, which is, you
1: know, compassion and looking after people. So, the first line of contact from people who need help would be? So, in our world, you know, the first
2: product that you will see if you were a consumer Mm -hmm. would be the Navigator. So, the thing in Poland. Mm -hmm. uh, So, imagine you've got a cough or cold. If you're an insured member, you pull up an app. You'll talk to the app. The okay. app will talk back to you. It will do the diagnosis. It will do a triage. Okay. It will say, hey, you know, based on your insurance coverage, you should go to Dr. A, B, and C. Dr. A has the right qualifications to treat you. We book you an appointment, and then the machine follows you up. We also can use it to help you manage things like your diabetes. Because, mm. So, for example, take a blood glucose reading mm-hmm. through a finger prick test. The machine will say, hey, you know, based on your schedule, you should be taking X units of insulin. Okay. Is that okay? You know." Yeah. And if the machine picks up that you're on a new drug, it will check in and say, hey, how are you doing? Right. So the idea is that the patient is never alone. And that's the first part of our technology you will see. As a consumer, the part you won't see if you're a consumer is if we are also working with your insurer and we're doing their insurer systems. When you make a claim, Mm -hmm. the claim is submitted, all the back end processing that's done by our machines as well. So that's a bit you don't see. And then finally, if you do get unlucky and you do need to be admitted to a hospital, there's another part you may not see, which is we also build machines to connect insurers to hospitals, which means that you can walk into any hospital, get seen straight away as opposed to needing a letter of guarantee, which is Uh currently what you need in Singapore. So every step of the way, you could be seeing part of our technology. You just may not know. That it's us. That's the
1: best part about technology, right? You're not supposed to know the back end.
0: (laughs) That's true. How do you decide which countries to deploy or what needs to happen before you can deploy in that particular country?
2: Yeah, in an ideal world, it'd be very structured and planned, yeah. but you know, as a startup, you go where you can sell and where people will right. buy. Right. So we found that Indonesia and the Philippines, the willingness to adopt new technology is higher, oh. partly because I think the systems are in more need of help, and they're very open-minded to newer technologies, or anything that isn't built by a big company like IBM. Right. Okay. So first right. is where can you sell, where can you get traction? Mm-hmm. The other function is we go where there's high volume, because the high volume makes our models better. Mm -hmm. more data. Mm -hmm. And the more data we get through our machines, the better they work. Um, So those are the two
1: primary considerations for us. Okay, Doctor, let's talk about your personal motivation in founding Mia Health. Uh, So I understand that this was because of a personal uh, experience of losing a loved one.
2: Yeah, that's true. I mean, people like me don't normally do startups. You know, people like me run big companies like Mm. Pfizer. That's the CV I have. I don't really have the CV of a typical founder. Mm -hmm. I'm also a bit older than a typical founder. I was 45 when we started. The backstory to this is I was married for 17 years to a person I met in RJC, so a person I know a long time. We lived in many countries together. After we broke up, my kid lived with her. My kid at the time was five and a half. And unfortunately, she passed away. And because she died really suddenly without warning, my kid came to live with me. I quit my job because I had to be a stay-home dad fundamentally to look after him. Three months later, it turned out that he was fine. It turned out that my wife, I had remarried, and Elliot Elliot knows my wife actually. It turns out to be an amazing mother. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and that meant I could do something else. Yeah. So the question was what next? I felt really angry because the system that I worked and was very much a part of, so bear in mind I was running a company at the time that had, you know, two thousand doctors. Yeah. That system unfortunately failed her. She ended up in the wrong hospitals at the wrong time and she saw the wrong doctors at the wrong time and her health insurance didn't work properly. Mm. And so I felt that the the system that I worked so hard to build was letting people down. And so that anger actually motivated me to start a company. Rather grandiously, I wanted to fix healthcare. (laughs) And that's why our products actually, if you know, they work across healthcare. They don't mm-hmm. do any one thing. They yeah. don't just work for patients. They work for insurers. They work for hospitals. So that's the motivation for starting it.
0: Was this motivation something, and stop me if I'm overstepping, was it something that's been building up for decades? Having you know, You've know, you been a banker, a, a trader. You've been in healthcare as well. And the only reason I dare to say this is because I know your backstory and how you helped to... Deliver your, your own son Kai Who's listening right it's, now It's a good story So yeah. it, it feels like <laughs> Things have been building up In your personal life And you, you've seen these gaps Across decades
2: Yeah, I think that's fair And I think maybe On a subconscious level I felt really Angry that the system just doesn't work and it doesn't help everyone. You know, my ex-wife, she died in Singapore, Hmm. a developed market. You wouldn't imagine that, right? You wouldn't imagine that. You know, a person of privilege because she's privately insured. She worked for a very big company at the time. Lots of friends who are doctors, Mm -hmm. and it still happened to her. You know, what is it like for people who aren't that privileged? Uh, And I think that's it. The challenge for me and actually my two co-founders as well was we worked in big companies and we couldn't effect the change. And we felt sometimes in order to do things, you need to work in a small company and maybe not disrupt, but you get things
1: done faster. So you do this change one step at a time mm-hmm. by doing doing it from your own uh, small company. Yeah. Is that how, how it goes? Yeah,
2: so it's just a good question. Fundamentally, the intellectual property we build, actually okay. all our products are based on this core IP. And the IP is actually... We developed a way of harmonizing and standardizing any medical data into mm. a common language. So, think of it like we built Microsoft Windows. Okay. We built an operating system okay. because the key to get different things to talk to each other is they need to be able to speak the same language. And essentially, that's what we built at MIA. We built this language and this methodology. All the products that we built, right, whether it's an insurance system or something that lives on your phone and navigates you through healthcare, Based on that language, because once you have that language, then any claim can come from any hospital and be translated, harmonized, and analyzed, Mm. right? The key to navigating you on your phone is, well, Elliot and you, you may describe a condition differently, Mm. right? What if our machine interprets both? into the right language, right? That is the key to navigation. So that's our core IP. It is a very different approach to a normal startup. Normal startups build product first. We build the operating system
0: first. Is it too simplistic to say it's... a Chat GPT for medical
2: <laughs> you know that's part of it you know I, I think you know the, the general it feeds into it because any generative AI or any AI needs data that is harmonized and standardized okay. mm. right so we actually do the harmonization and standardization of data now whether you want to use chat GPT or some other interface they're just interfaces to data right I knew it's a, I know it's a very unusual way of looking at healthcare interesting but yeah. it's fundamentally that yeah. all the products that that you see and touch as a consumer are just yeah. interfaces. We do the back end of that, the plumbing, right. the bit that translates that data into a common language that you don't see, mm. that feeds all your
1: interfaces. So, Doctor, let me just try to understand this, because when it comes to healthcare, care, when, yeah. when you have a sick patient or a caretaker, your first contact, Supposed to make you feel better, or (laughs) at least assure you that everything will be okay. (laughs) And for that, you need a human touch, a human
2: voice. Yes and no. Actually, the first contact that you need, the first contact actually is triage. Okay. First of all, you need to know where to go. Okay. And who to see. So that can be done by machine, Hmm. right? A recommendation engine. You know that part of it we do. Right, We then hand you off to the human, arming that human with enough background knowledge on
1: you. But can can the machine tell you everything will be fine, go here, go there? You know, my personal belief is that that should be done by
2: the human. Right. However, I will say that we've had a very interesting experience rolling out this navigator in Poland where actually we found that some patients, especially the older ones, they like talking to the machine more than they like talking to the human. The oldest patient that we have in Poland, and bear in mind, when we roll this out in Poland, I bet that nobody older than me would use this, you know, and I was, I ten fifty 50, right, in May. Turns out there's an 82-year-old Polish lady every day who uses my machines in Polish to manage her diabetes. Which is actually wow. quite cool considering it's built by a small Singaporean company, mm. you know, how 10,000 kilometers away. Mm. But older patients actually like talking to the machines. Now, the machines then plug the humans in. So if she has issues with diabetes and her blood control is wonky, we actually send a push message to her daughter saying, hey, call your mom because oh. she's not well, right? Similarly, we connect that to the doctor and say, hey, doctor, look at this patient. You need to bring her in because she's not well. Okay. So it's machines enabling humans to see the right place at the right time. That's the vision, yeah. right?
0: Yeah, you take away the middle ground for speculation. What's going on? The machine is doing the, the the pushing and going straight to the doctor. I wonder, Doctor Ramesh. I mean, background in, in as a surgeon, uh, I believe a heart surgeon, became a, you got into the finance industry, and now you're in a way a tech guy. How have your your previous experiences helped you with Mia Health?
2: I think because it, I can see the whole big picture around things because by chance or I guess God's will if you want to call it that I've had exposure to most parts of healthcare Mm -hmm. you know various Mm -hmm. devices technology or drug companies so it's enabled me to see how things work but quite frankly it's given me a a Rolodex (laughs) (laughs) because when you start a company you need help and Mm -hmm. that Rolodex kicks in every day because as a small company we need help every day right so I think if you ask me, which of the two is more important—the whole big picture, strategic yeah. view, or the rolodex? Cynically, I'd say the
0: rolodex. Because of pre-series <laughs> and funding, ten point four million.
2: Yes, it's the rolodex. You know, it's the fact that that people know you and that you have a track record. Okay. It means that you can also attract better people.
1: Sure.
2: Because you know, nobody builds a company on their own, and I think people join because of that track record. So, what are your plans for the future? What are your plans for the funds? Yeah, it's uh, interesting. Uh, You know, we're always going to be fundraising Mm -hmm. as a startup. So the plan is actually raise more money. Why? Because we need more people. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we're in a unique position where we don't have a customer acquisition issue. We actually have a lot of customers because there's a real need for the product and we position ourselves as a global company. Mm -hmm. Right? I think the challenge for us is finding enough people to deploy the technology. So we do need to ramp up. So the first step is fund a bit more and hire a bit more. Mm -hmm. Uh, Second is get into new markets. We've had a lot of interest even from the Middle East, from parts of Europe, but we've not had the bandwidth to pursue those opportunities. So I think it's pursuing that. And then the third thing is, you know, no technology ever stands still. So we need to make our products better. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got a whole runway, uh, you know, that a list of things that we need to roll out and improve. So it's that. And then eventually, it's just, you know, strengthening the management team. Yeah. yeah. You know,
0: Final question, Dr. Ramesh, what would you say to someone who's been in your position, worked for big establishments and decided at the age of 50, hey, I'm going to go start my own company? <laughs> Don't.
2: <laughs> <laughs> really? No, if you believe Elon Musk, that's what he says, right? <laughs> Don't. I'd say that, look, you know, it's, it's challenging. I think you have to make sure that if you do this, you're doing this for the right reasons, that it's not just about the money. Because yeah. I think on a risk-adjusted basis, I think entrepreneurship is probably the worst way to make money I'd say the area (laughs) under the curve of taking a stable corporate job and doing it for 25 years is probably a lot bigger but I think if the motivation is then you really want to make change and you feel very strongly I mean what I always tell people is look you have this idea how would you feel if somebody else ran it and did that idea Mm -hmm. if you felt that that would make you angry then you should do this if you don't then the idea is probably not strong enough
0: All right.
1: Yeah, the fulfillment, the personal fulfillment of your mission, I think that's what it is.
0: Yeah, Yeah. very much so. We've been speaking with Dr. Ramesh Rajentharan, who is the CEO and co-founder of MIA Health. Thank you very much for coming by the studio. My pleasure. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.